Good morning, Aaron O'Rourke. Good morning, Dan Landrum. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? Just fine. Peachy. Hmm. Uh, it's a you're here again. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, what is this? It's a Friday morning. Seaford's still out west. Yep. In Hood River, Oregon. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still suffering through that. Uh, so that's that's one of the coolest places in the country, I think. Oh, it's so nice. Well, yeah. your sweetheart is from Washington. No, she. Well, Oregon. Yeah, we met while she was living in Oregon. Um, oh. Mm-hmm. She's lived so, in Oregon and Washington. <laughs> we'll be careful about how I tell the story, but I remember being at uh, at a restaurant with you, sitting across from the table, and you had been to Oregon. And <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I think I do. Yeah. And I was asking about another situation in your life. And you had just gotten back from Oregon. Yeah. And I saw something in your eyes. <laughs> and I said, you met somebody. <laughs> you just stopped with the other story and went, yeah, I did. <laughs> Actually, you, you didn't say that. You said, okay. so what's her name? Oh, yeah. that's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And what was her name? And I said, Nicole. <laughs> and you're married now. Yes. And the really funny thing was that I remember I was staying at your house and in my room on a little sticky note said Nicole Knotts. And I kind of freaked out because I was like, why do they have her name written down on a sticky note? We've been researching for and you. Yeah. She had, I got her to subscribe to Dulcimer Players News. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Interesting start. So you mm-hmm. guys are doing well, I hope. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um so both you and I I got a, it, it's a it's a rough morning this Friday morning. Not that anybody needs to know this or care, but Angie and I we we hit the sack pretty early. We're mm-hmm. we're we're like definitely moving into old people syndrome. Nice. <laughs> and it's yeah, we're that thing that if we had kids when we came home, the babysitter would be getting ready to go out. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have kids, so. But anyway, uh, she stayed with Barrett, our grandson, over uh, Missy's out of town, over at their uh, Barrett's house last night, mm-hmm. and so I bachelored it, which for me means I got to have the ultimate evening of watching a political debate on television. Oh, nice. <laughs> and. Uh, Oh my goodness, that was a shout fest, and and I I don't oh. want to get political here, but no matter what political persuasion you are, I was uh, I was sort of embarrassed. Yeah. When when it was done, and I had a hard time sleeping last night, and woke up mildly depressed this morning. Isn't that bad? I shouldn't watch uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, uh. and I uh, I stuck a, a post on Facebook. I think it was last night, about the time that it was over, where the closed captioning system, mm-hmm. <laughs> it stopped working. <laughs> it just, it said, I forget exactly, it was like unintelligible shouting. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, it kept working. But, uh, it kept working, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was doing its best. Yeah. That was tough. But anyway, oh. uh, it seems like that's what politics have uh, become, at least right now. And in uh, this part part of my lifetime, and I'm saying that just to say, it's not always like that era. And there are some. If you go back and read some really good, there were better times. But 
Uh, it's up to your generation to fix this, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care yeah. whether whether you be left, center, or right. Mm-hmm. Let's just get back to having some good discourse like adults. Yeah. Well, I think that the uh, the ultimate in that was something that you described to me, um, and I think you're you mentioned that you're doing something like this now. The uh, and forgive me for not being able to remember the name of it, but the. Uh, what Ben Franklin used to do oh, uh, with a group of people. And, uh, you know, one person would give a presentation and everyone would have a glass of wine and sit in silence right. for five minutes and think before anyone said anything. Right. Right. No yeah. ad hominem attacks. That's right. You're not allowed to attack anybody. And uh, it, it's interesting. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on, on this podcast before, so if I have forgiven me, but... That's been a goal of mine for a long time to start one of these mm-hmm. because they really used to do that. I mean, it was a common thing to get together for the purpose of discourse mm-hmm. and to do it right. And out of this, I just recently, it's going to be hard for me to change, found out that I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. I thought it was junto, but it's a junto. Okay. It sounds wrong to me. And I even argued with people that, no, that can't be right, but <laughs> it's it's right. But anyway, the uh, out of this junto thing, great ideas came, and some of them became part of the Constitution, and some of them became other great ideas, like the public library system, like the U.S. postal system, Mm -hmm. where people just sat around and thought of ways to solve problems, and it seems like right now we're in this time where people aren't being, aren't really talking about the problems, they're talking about the drama. Yeah. Yeah. Save your drama for your mama. <laughs> Somebody might have said that. I don't know. Last night during the debate. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't yeah. say all that. Boy, we probably just lost uh, everyone thinking that we're going the political route. Right. Notice we didn't specifically. But the where I was going was the fact that I really did wake up a little bit depressed this morning. And I have work to do. I've got some transcription work I need to do. Oh. I'm working on some arrangements. And that's a bad attitude to bring to that kind of project. Yeah. So <clears throat> how do we fix that? We'll start with the easy stuff. Yeah. Coffee. Okay. <laughs> Coffee helps fix that? A little bit. Yeah, I'm feeling better already. Yeah. I was only like a quarter cup in when we mm-hmm. when I, you know, called you and we started this and I'm halfway through now, I'm feeling better. You know, it's funny. Coffee, coffee for some reason really helps me with mindless tasks, like when I don't have to be too creative. But let's say I'm, uh, I've done a lot of work for a new book, um, and uh, I- I'm just going to be doing the layout or you know formatting everything, and it's just you know very repeatable tasks that I have to do, exporting the sheet music in this format to put in the book. Um, that's usually when I go to Starbucks and I load up on you know, some massive espresso, you know, super fancy drink, and just knock it all out in one day. Otherwise, if I have uh, caffeine, when I'm trying to write or arrange something, I, I feel like I just end up doing everything I already know. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I do it faster, but... Uh, um, yeah, but it's you're saying it's not... Uh, hmm. Were you kidding when you said you do it faster? Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
was like, well, that seems like a good idea to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the mundane done. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have any good tricks for snapping out of it. And, uh, you know, with the goal being I have to get a lot of stuff done today. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, well, sometimes you should just uh, not snap. You should say, "Right, yeah, I don't have the time and energy to do this. I should probably go do something mundane. Mm-hmm. Oh, David Allen had this quote that I don't know if I've ever told you this, but it's real simple. And you should, David Allen's mm-hmm. the guy who came up with the whole GTD, the getting things done mm-hmm. school of thought, which came after the Franklin Covey kind of thing. And that's a, that's a whole uh, rabbit hole to go down. But he said, if you need... To get creative, get organized. Hmm. If you need to get organized, get creative. That's interesting. Now think about that. That's really good stuff. Yeah. So for me, often when, <clears throat> whether, sometimes it's not depression, sometimes it's uh, dread that keeps me from doing things that I need to do. That's different from yeah. depression, I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not getting the things done for a long enough time can lead to depression, right? As mm-hmm. a musician, and it's a uh, it's a bad cycle to be in because what we do for a living requires creativity. Yeah, and creativity is something that's difficult to force. Um, right. Uh, I know for me, I, I kind of got to a point where uh, I really needed to get stuff done today. Like as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm going to hit the ground running. And um, uh, luckily, um, my wife is very aware of you know, sort of these creative cycles of you know, super productivity and then just feeling dry for a little while. But I've got to get stuff done still. and uh, And so... I won't do a real impression of it or it'll, you know, it'll just distort and clip. But uh, this morning, she woke me up by screaming. uh, (laughs) Oh, great. It's going to be a good day. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had that to what you just said the way you did it as my ringer. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was really helpful. (laughs) That's good. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. It is going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, we're not saying sometimes people are clinically depressed. Yeah. And when you're clinically depressed, get mm-hmm. clinical help. Right. Don't listen to a podcast about this. <laughs> There's your problem right there. If, um, you're listening to us for advice. Right. Hey, so I've been working on a, uh, a theory. Now, I should. That's. When something pops into my head, I tend to say, hey, I've been working on something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which really should be translated. I just had a random thought that I think is interesting. <laughs> it's similar so, to when people say, I've been doing some research on, and you say, meaning, okay, I Googled it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same, but. Yeah. Okay, so here it is. Uh, I've been a creative person all my life. I'm a. I've been a musician of some sort for as long as I can remember, you know, and tried other artsy things, but kind of always thought out of the box is what people would say to me. Mm -hmm. 
One thing that I haven't really talked about much, because I haven't been clinically diagnosed as this, but anyone who knows me, who's had to be around me much, knows that I'm, I'm dyslexic. Uh, and always kind of have been. So I was the kid in school who could... Things that I heard, I retained. It did really well. But reading was, uh, was drudgery for me. And I never really knew why. Uh, easily distracted, you know, but just because it was hard. I, and this still applies today. And I'm, I'm bringing this up not so much just to talk about me, but I know a lot of people tell me they have this same problem when it comes to reading sheet music. So that's where this is going. Hmm. Uh, being a little bit dyslexic, not enough that I can't read. I read a lot, actually. Yeah. I actually read books uh, and magazines and all kinds of stuff. But I listen to audiobooks more so. I mean, to the point, like 30, 40 audiobooks a year, big works and things. Oh, wow. And I, and I make notes on those and I keep up with that stuff. So that's all. I got it all worked out. This isn't, like, feel bad for me. But the thing about... Uh, this really is kind of a theory, and this is based in no science whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would love to talk to someone who knows about this, though. Being, if I am dyslexic, which I've never been diagnosed, mm-hmm. one of the things I understand from what I've read about that is you tend to reverse things. You okay. see things reversed. When I'm presented with a complex problem that has multiple options, I'm firing on all cylinders. I'm really, really good. But when it comes to something where it's left or right, A or B, you know, black or white, mm-hmm. and it just is that one little thing, you know, it's like a flip side of one or the other, I tend to get stuck. And sometimes <laughs> this happens a lot when I'm wiring, doing uh, electric work. I have to really be careful and double check because I will wire things backwards a lot. And so that's dangerous. And yeah. so I double check and I always have a tester. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I will, I will be looking at it and think I've done it right and have, have done it in reverse. And it's not mm-hmm. because I'm in a hurry. I know not to be in a, in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you have your hands inside the circuit box, you know, when a, yeah. you're remodeling a house. I take my time. Here's what, where I think this has been to my advantage as a creative person. Okay. Okay. Most of life is not a dichotomous proposition. Okay. It's not. Uh, there's this thing in logic where it's called a false dichotomy, where someone says you're either with me or you're against me. Okay. That's almost never true. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time we're not either with them or against them. So having been someone who's dealt with, so thinking about wiring something, as being a dichotomous situation. It's either this way or that way. Right. I know I have been wrong so many times in my life. I really doubt even the conceptual idea of being right whenever it's a yes or no question, a left or right question. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, that makes absolute sense, yeah. And so I've developed a habit of testing and testing and testing, even conceptual dichotomous propositions and I think that helps you to be creative because you look for a different way to look at this rather than the one that presents itself to you easily. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, can you can you give me some examples um, of how okay. you've used this? 
All right, so let's say, let's think. It, it's funny because it's hard to put that into words, isn't it? Yeah. On a hammer dulcimer, I'm, I'm moving away from you for just a minute, but sure. you can hear me. Mm-hmm. So listen to this. So that's basically how you would make a chord on a hammer dulcimer if you're trying to make a good three-note chord with... I should have just made it a three-note chord, but I made it four notes. So there's a way that people always do that. And you can either think... I could start with my right hand, mm-hmm. or I could start with my left hand. <laughs> That's the dichotomous right. question. Right, left, right, left, or left, right, left, right. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that's not it at all. I mean, there's so many more options that you could do. You could go right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left. Mm-hmm. You could go right, right, left, left. I mean, there are all mm-hmm. these other ways that you could possibly do that. And it turns out if you take the time to explore those things, not only will you discover that the ear, the listener, can't really tell the difference from one to the other, but some of the others force you to do something with your hammers that you've never done before. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, wait a second, if I could master this, I could take that and do this other thing with it. Does that make sense? I think so. Um... Can I throw another idea back at you? You bet. I don't know if this is really along the same lines, what what you're talking about, but it's something that I've been thinking about lately and I think is sort of in the same ballpark. Um, Let's see how to put this into words. Um, There have been, there have been a few, a few pieces, uh, um, from you know, my favorite, one of my favorite bands, Punch Brothers, going back to Chris Thiele sure. again, where um, <clears throat> there were uh, there were a few things in this arrangement where I, I remember thinking, "Wow, like that was the perfect thing to put right there. That was the right thing. Anything else would not have been the right thing. That was the right thing." <laughs> that's a great. That's a good. That's a good subject right there. Okay, <laughs> so. Then wait a minute. I know there's more options there. Why do I feel so strongly that's the right thing? Is that because that's the first thing I heard uh, in this arrangement? That's what was presented to me as the fi- the finished product. And then there are other arrangements, and I think that Thiele's really great at this. Um, uh, the first time I heard it, I didn't really know how I felt about it. I kind of liked it, but I think there was just not enough of this one theme. I really wanted to grasp onto this thing that was uh, a little bit longer, that was really easy to listen to and understand completely. And in the arrangement, it just didn't give it to the listener for as long as I wanted it to at first. But after giving it a few listens, I'm going, no, that was perfect. That was the right amount of sauce. Like, yeah. any extra sauce would have just overpowered you know, so, e- everything else. So you use the word sauce mm-hmm. because there's a there's an expectation. Like, uh, you know, if you're eating hummus, you probably wouldn't. You you want somebody to you know maybe a little cayenne pepper or something on it is okay, right? But not not yogurt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little disgusting to think about that, right? That that those textures and even the taste would be wrong together, mm-hmm. and when you're listening to music like that, 
I think that's where it's, uh, uh, I mean, you just can't predict what's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. Chris Thiele obviously wasn't thinking of you when he wrote that. I'm like, I wonder how this is going to taste to Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be nice to get an email from Chris Thiele saying, hey, <laughs> how do you feel about this? Before I record it, you know, I just want to get your take on something. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> not going to happen. Probably not. Might, though. I could see it <laughs> happening with you. So you just got, as the creator, you've just got to go with where you're going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've found that with my own arrangements, the things that I've grown at- more attached to long term mm-hmm. um, are the things that the first time I played it, I didn't really know how to feel. Does that make sense? Oh, like, uh, totally. Wasn't yeah. sure if I liked it. Wasn't sure if it didn't work or not there was this it was like an acquired taste almost right but once it was acquired it, it stuck with me for a long time yeah um <clears throat> i'm hesitating not because i have a lack of things to say i'm hesitating because there's so much that i want to say about that right i think we're right at the core of how creativity works and how when you look behind the curtain, sometimes it is just a really silly little uh, uh, man or woman that lacks confidence. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, no, don't catch me. <laughs> <laughs> look at this big thing out here that I've created. And, uh, sometimes those big things that you created have developed after you've had a chance to step back and look at them. Mm-hmm. And so you just go, oh, if I put a little more of this sauce in here. It's going to make this image. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it's just technical to begin with, I guess. Uh, So so back to what I was saying, like with the hammer pattern for just doing those four notes, sometimes just working on that technical thing sparks something you've never heard before, and then you repeat it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and you go, hey, I could take that and twist that over this way or that way. Uh, I'm, I don't, I think as I've gotten older, I'm less inclined to think that people don't do that on a normal basis. I think maybe people do that more often than I thought they did. But I'm still inclined to think that they don't trust it and go with it. Hmm. Maybe that's the difference between someone who's foolish enough to think they can make a living playing dulcimers. <laughs> <laughs> exhibit A, exhibit, exhibit B. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And so you continue to move forward with this like well, I got to produce something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's some of that. Um, hmm. I hope that I'm not depressing you. I was having such a good day. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be a great day! Yeah. What what, what was it? What was it? Yeah. Today's going to be a great day! Woo! Well, I got to try that. Woo! (laughs) Yeah. Got it. Yeah, again, I'm I'm not really doing it justice, but... uh, Yeah, I suspect not. Yeah. (laughs) I can see Nikki doing it, though. Yeah. Oh, you know what we should do? Oh, my goodness. We should do a podcast with our spouses... (laughs) <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Seriously, and their goal, every time we say something <laughs> that they think, 
oh, come on. They just go, what, what could it be like? That's not really true. we just have to remind them that you know listeners can't hear eye rolling oh no that's important well actually you can hear angie's a bit there's a squeak (laughs) 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 she's getting older (laughs) sometimes you hear this it rolls across the floor (laughs) you have to pick it up and stick it back in (laughs) well it's you know, uh, it's funny and, and lucky for me in, in some ways that Nikki played uh, played Mountain Dolshmer before we met. Oh, yeah. And before we got married. And we're playing together now. And actually, she... Um, uh, it's, it's funny giving lessons to your spouse. That like, sounds not funny, but dangerous. It, it, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's been great. Oh, wow. Yeah, it surprised me, too, because I, I told her up front I was scared. This is your first year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, in your seventh year, I'm going to ask you, so how are those uh, Nikki Delsmer lessons going? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Somebody's going to write me and tell me I shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have done what I just did. Well, I actually, It's going to be great. It's yeah, always going to be great. <laughs> I, I actually told her up front, even when we started, uh, when we started dating, like, and she would ask dulcimer-related questions like, "I've been working on this. What would you do here?" And I said, "You should probably just take some Skype lessons from Seifert. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll even gift them to you." <laughs> but, uh, well, first off, at some point, you have to recognize that she had you at dulcimer-related questions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I mean, where are you going to find a woman like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what what I'm discovering now is she's she's picking everything up really quick and it's a lot of fun that's cool yeah and it's been it's it's been really cool uh maybe because the the pressure's kind of off i i i'm not really i I don't need to worry about uh so much if she's gonna want to take another lesson with me or not like um yeah uh and that she can, you know, we live together, so she can ask me a question anytime throughout the week if something didn't stick. Um, but we're working on a lot of stuff that I've never actually tried to teach, and it's been inspiring to me oh, that's cool. in, in figuring out some new ways to teach and some new material. And so it's probably got me more excited than it, you know, uh, than it's helping her. Any but, uh, thought of uh, you guys performing together? Oh, yeah. I mean, she has stage fright just about as bad as I do, I think. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she's doing really well. She picked Does she up... sing? No, she doesn't. Um, you guys I... should sing together then. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you could be like the uh, Bob Dylan of Bonnie and Clyde's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Think about that. <laughs> it's, it's a little complicated. It, yeah. Hmm. So, uh, forgive me if this is too personal, okay. but uh, I noticed that in the videos I've seen of you from Kentucky, not Kentucky Music Week, but uh, Mount Dora, uh-huh. you're you're wearing a tie. Yeah. What's up with that? Um. Yeah, that's a uh, that's fun. Um. You know how I mentioned that I have stage fright, right? Um. 
and for me, it's like you've you've gotten to see this probably more so than anyone else, really. That it's a it it can be kind of handicapping for me. Like uh, it's there's sort of this tipping point sometimes where you know stage fright you know goes up this hill and then at some point it's just too much to deal with and then the opposite happens where I yeah. I just want to get this over with uh, and. And you that's, never want the audience to feel like you're doing that. No, never. I it, that's never a good headspace to be in when when you perform. Um, I don't think I've ever performed well uh, when I've gotten to that headspace. So um, instead of trying to conquer this fear of stage fright, it's I've really focused on how to manage it, um, and. Uh, for me, it's a lot of energy is put into preventing ever getting to that headspace, to that tipping point. Mm. So, um, I think the the reason why I get nervous, and a lot of people get nervous, um, is because ultimately we want to do a good job. In the right, end. and um, you and, aren't Aaron. In the case of Aaron, is the one yeah, who decides what that is. Right, and. Um, and so instead of getting to that tipping point and going, you know, I just want this to be over with and, you know, maybe coming off to the audience like, oh, I don't, I don't really care. I'm just playing, you know, a bunch of notes, whatever I feel like. When you – or when I dress up, it's really hard to hide, you know, wearing a tie. It's hard to hide that I actually care how this comes off. And so – yeah. In some ways, it's like this buffer to ever getting to that tipping point for me in, in some ways. Mm. Mm. What does that mean? Mm. Oh, I'm just really had a negative. I just kind of had this negative thing I've been doing research into since I had the thought a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been Google searching? No, no, no. No, I've been listening to you okay. with my eyes closed. But wow, Aaron, I'm going to... Ooh, this is dangerous. Oh, uh, I'm into that. I'm going there. I'm going there, All right, go for it. Is it possible that the Hawaiian shirt (laughs) is the opposite of that? No, I don't think so. You're trying to not get in trouble by saying that. No, no, So here's the thing. You put on a Hawaiian shirt, you're like, ah, I'm on vacation. It doesn't (laughs) matter what I do. I'm laid back. I can wear white socks with my sandals and my shorts at the beach as long as I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I think that someone I think it depends on how you self-identify and how you feel like you want to project. I think that some people get on stage and they they go, "Okay, I want to be fun. I just really want to have fun on stage." And they have, you know, some people have those personalities that are really wide open and energetic. This is the first time I've ever seen you hedge, Aaron. You're just afraid to really go there. No, why, no, I'm really. Why don't you I'm wear really a Hawaiian not. shirt next time you and I perform? Because together. I absolutely cannot identify with that. I absolutely <laughs> can't identify as someone who's really open and festive. Uh, <laughs> festive? Yes. <laughs> is that fair to say? I mean, can you picture? And I've got a Hawaiian oh, I shirt. Do I you really. I have a Hawaiian. Yes, it was. A, it was actually a gift. Um, from uh, from David Beatty from years ago, and it well, fits so David me wears perfectly. Hawaiian shirts. He's oh yeah, festive. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, David's trying. I think so. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's interesting. So David Beatty in a Hawaiian shirt, what is he saying when he gets on stage? First off, he looks right in them. Right, yeah. He's got a ponytail. He does, right. He's really, I mean, he's wasting away in Margaritaville, kind of. <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, 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 not really. Yeah. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. But he walks on stage, and, and he's got that big smile, you know, mm-hmm. and... He needs to disarm people literally because he's going to sing political songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he really needs them disarmed. I think the, a metal detector. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so imagine a conductor getting on stage with a Hawaiian shirt. What does that tell you about them and the piece that's about to be played? It would depend on the setting. If they were on a beach. Right. Really, that might be the only proper thing, right? Right. I would think if I'm in if I'm in an auditorium, conductor walks out, sandals and a Hawaiian shirt. Part of me's thinking this guy's cool, but um, but I'd also I also might think, okay, he's in costume. Um, they're getting yeah. ready to play an orchestral version of you know J- Jimmy Buffett songs <laughs> or something. Yeah. We perhaps are in danger of sounding like we're taking ourselves too seriously, that we think about uh, the way we dress all the way, you know, and and the whole thing. But I don't think that's taking yourself too seriously. Uh, For me, anyway. I I feel like it's important. Yeah. Um, But though sometimes I will, you know, (laughs) when we're traveling... And you just kind of run out of clothes. <laughs> so. Yeah, that that happens. And you, know, the truth is, at a lot of these festivals that we play, where we end up performing two songs and getting off stage, it is pretty informal. There's not a whole lot of time there. That's right. Um. Yeah. I don't really know what else to add to that. Well, I think as speaking as a performer and reminding myself and everybody listening that this is the Dulcimer Geek Podcast and we do kind of go really overthink these things a little bit and that's okay Uh because that's the purpose of the podcast. It's uh, you've only got so many things going for you when you're going to do two songs. Right. And everything's critical at that point. And in the... I've brought this up with the Seifert before. I don't, I, I don't remember if you and I have talked to Probably we have because I repeat myself a lot. But that whole Janesean School of Performance course oh, that I took one right. time. There's a There are multiple steps that you try to guide an audience through as they watch you. Mm-hmm. We have we don't get them at festivals for the most part. Yeah, And so <clears throat> you've got to get them to listen to you as quickly as possible if that's what your goal is. Mm-hmm. And that that can cause uh, a disjointed performance sometimes, you know, because I've felt before like at a, at a festival where I have my 12 minutes or 15 minutes that at some point I've got to say, oh, buy my CDs. Yeah. And, uh, hey, I have this other thing that I do. And you just can't. You just can't. And so not in a negative sort of way, but in a way that I think it's the only way to be successful, I've just kind of given up on that. Hmm. 
And I hope that, does that make sense? I'm just like, I can't do all this, but I can be prepared to play. And I can at least try to be in the moment Mm -hmm. as I'm playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it it reminds me of something that our our friend Steve Yulberg mentioned to me at uh, Kentucky Music Week one year when he said, uh, after doing KMW for a few years, he said, you know, I think I've, I've finally figured out the concerts here. And, uh, and I said, oh, okay, well, what's, what's your system? You know, can you help me out? And he, and he said, well, you know, in years past, I always used to try and pick two things that were on a, a recent project that I was trying to push. And, uh, and I would always mention it in the concert and he said, and you know, I usually wouldn't sell too much. And so I decided at some point, you know, I'm just going to play whatever I'm in the mood for. Yeah. And I think the audience can feel that. And so I went, okay, that makes me feel better. Pressure's off. I'm just going to play whatever I'm in the mood for. And, um, uh, I did and I had a great time, really enjoyed it. Um, the problem was that, uh, I played a Neil Diamond song and a extended version of Boil and Cabbage, neither of which were on CDs. And, uh, <laughs> and so were people uh, asking. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, ha- I didn't really know what to tell them, but, uh, I'm sure someone caught a video on their cell phone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily help you continue to be a musician for yeah th- <laughs> it didn't help me eat at the uh, at the waffle house in bardstown but hmm i think that uh you know a lot of a lot of uh concert deconstruction takes place at the waffle house in bardstown it really does yeah <laughs> yeah i'll always remember uh seifert grabbing me in bardstown saying hey you need animal fat in you i'm taking you to <laughs> waffle house <laughs> we were in an Applebee's one time and we were we were like 30 seconds into meeting our server and the server knew that Seifert had been on the Jerry Springer show one time <laughs> because he found a reason to relate that to ordering yeah <laughs> oh yeah I, I remember that very fondly that was weird that was, I was like what in the world that was so great <laughs> All right, so back to uh, it's is is it all? It doesn't have to be depressing to talk about depression. I think no. that people that are uh, everybody feels down every now and then. Right. It's just some people feel it more intensely, and I think the history of looking at musicians and the way they have crashed and burned—not just the musicians, but artists, art, artsy people in general—have mm-hmm. often destroyed their lives because of depression mm-hmm. uh, it seems like the those might be a hat in hand kind of thing but not necessarily so yeah you know because mm-hmm. there it doesn't happen to everyone and mm-hmm. our goal would be to not have that not happen to us right <laughs> <laughs> I think but there probably is some truth in that uh, you know you've heard it said that you can't you can't really play the blues unless you've lived the blues. Yeah, I used yeah. to not like that. Yeah, because honestly, I haven't really lived the blues, really. Hmm. But you know what? I also don't play the blues. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I think maybe it's real. I mean, uh, I like a flat third as much as the next guy. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, I like to do it just to show that I've had, I have an edge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really have that much of an edge, I think. I mean, other than just my personality has its mm-hmm. own edge, you know, but those are rough edges. So another quick way, yeah. not, not, not quick, and this doesn't always work, but it's a trick for, for creativity and inspiration, especially kind of when you're not feeling that way. Uh, I, th- I try to, th- <laughs> boy, this is going to sound silly. But I try to think happy thoughts. <laughs> uh, that was good. <laughs> just, just try to go the hook route, you know. Think yeah. your happy thoughts, Peter. Mm-hmm. And and I try to think of really good times mm-hmm. and put myself in that headspace. And so hmm. at some point today, because I'm working on new music, I'm trying to work on a I'm not trying to work on. I am working on a, like a whole new show. I'm really tired of the stuff I've been playing, mm-hmm. and I'm the arrangements that I'm working on are still just a little bit beyond me. Okay, and so that's good. I'm gonna draw. I'm gonna pull out some of the things that I wrote twenty years ago, uh, mm-hmm. and which were some pretty cool songs off of my Questions in the Calm CD. Uh, uh, one of them that I want to play is called Spinner's Waltz. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's I, don't think I, so. I like it. I like it, and I sort of miss it, and I don't know that I remember how to play it anymore. <clears throat> and it was it was one of those songs that you go through the creative process with, and then you realize, oh, this is I'm kind of thinking about. Wouldn't this be fun to play for for Missy in her little spinny dress? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you do, and then it kind of develops into something else. And so my daughter's 27, 28 years old now, and mm-hmm. I still get a little bit emotional, you know, when I hear that song because of what it meant to me 20 something years ago. Does that make sense? So, you what I got from this point? is you're not sure exactly how old your daughter is. Yeah, you did get that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, what's weird is for me to remember how long I've been playing Hammer Dulcimer, I have to remember how old my daughter is. Huh. Because right, Mi- Angie was pregnant with Missy when I got the dulcimer. Oh, okay. So my son will turn thirty this year, and so Missy's got to be twenty-eight ish. Okay. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So, but listen. So that was a time that I captured, and that by taking the time to make a song out of a memory, mm-hmm. I now have the ability to turn that emotion back on 28 years later. We're going to go with 28. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there are things like that that are happening right now mm-hmm. that are contemporary to to me. Uh, I just want to think of... Uh, this doesn't have to be anything major. I mean, it doesn't have to be some major thing like... Right. The birth of the triplets, right. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Yesterday, I had one of my play dates with Barrett, my grandson. Mm-hmm. I took him to the aquarium, and and I'm just I know this is for, for people like oh, he's talking about his grandkids again, but this is real mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. and these are the kinds of things that I think you try to capture in music, maybe, and you don't mm-hmm. get them all. I try to capture them in photography sometimes. So. Uh, I knew we needed to wear him out because Angie was going to stay with him last night to help him to get to sleep. So uh, you've been to Chattanooga, Aaron. We parked on the on the 
far side of the bridge, okay. the walking bridge, the Walnut Street Bridge. So we we ran all the way across the Walnut Street Bridge playing, you can't catch me and I knocked you back, you know, and just playing and playing <laughs> nice. and playing. And then we walked down and we went to the aquarium, all through the aquarium and uh, all kinds of cool stuff happened. And then we went over to Mellow Mushroom, you know, downtown nice. and had a really good uh, pizza and ate hummus. That's why I was thinking of hummus a minute ago, okay. which he loved. And the uh, servers were all impressed that this two-year-old was almost three. He's three in a month. Was, is, loves hummus so much. And then we had to run all the way back across that bridge right as, you know, it was sunset. That was a, nice. a lot of... But in that time, being in the moment, there are all these moving things that I can think about that happened yesterday. Was in the aquarium. I think he, he became exhausted. And we were sitting in one of the galleries where you can see the trout tank, you know, from bottom to top. And there's a bench there. And I sat on that bench. I was tired, you know, and he was he had been bouncing off the walls. He hopped up next to me and he scooted over by me and he kind of put his head on my shoulder and he said, I want to snuggle with you. Oh. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Wow. I've got to be completely here right now because this is what good life is about. Mm -hmm. And then he said, let's go. And he said, I'm not making this up. Because most of the rest of the day, he had been trying to kill me with a sword. Right, <laughs> Stuff yeah. Just understand, you know, because we're playing. Yeah. He said, hold my hand. And so he grabbed my hand and he said, no idea where this came from. You're my best friend, Papa. Oh, Wow. And, oh my goodness and your your heart just melts but but being a grandfather <clears throat> you really kind of are in this instruction role all the time and mm -hmm. so i wanted to remember it's not it wouldn't be good right now to say yes and you shall have no other friends before me <laughs> 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 because you are in that position in this little human being's life right and so you say Oh, thank you. You're my best friend, too. You're going to have so many best friends in life. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, and that's the good stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, just thinking about that now makes me feel a little bit emotional. Mm -hmm. That's important because it's that kind of deep emotion when you're living in the moment that you can mm -hmm. then take and turn into art of some mm -hmm. kind. And first and foremost... You know, like you talking about Chris Thiele and, you know, <laughs> the sauce that he chose to put in there. <laughs> the sauce that he chose to put in at the time might have had to do with an emotion. Mm -hmm. It might have had to do with an exercise that he had been practicing or like, I wonder how many mm -hmm. diminished chords I can get in this short amount yeah. of time, you know. And that's uh, even that's uh, the sauce of playfulness, you know, mm -hmm. or, or whatever. So. Anyway, I just think it's uh, this thing about creativity. I might have just laid that out to sound like it's okay. So you have to be an emotional basket case, yeah, <laughs> you know, and some kind of a technical wizard to try stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's not true. You try it at wherever mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that um, that Robert Force said to me a long time ago about. Uh, writing songs and, and melodies was um, 
and I, I hope I'm not misquoting him on this, but I remember him saying something along the lines of, uh, you know, it's okay for meaning to come later. Absolutely. For some for some songs, and I've I've been getting that a lot lately. Um, uh, I think that's you, almost kind of the only way that it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what I was saying was the happy thoughts are a catalyst to creativity. Okay. Yeah. It, if you're if you're depressed and you're unable to be creative, you've either got to say, okay, so I'm not, I can't be creative right now. Or, you know, and do something that's mundane that has to be done. Or just mm-hmm. practice the technical. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, the thing where I'm trying to figure out, do I go right, left, left, right, right, left, right, left, 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 right, right, mm-hmm. or whatever. And does that make sense? Yeah, I'm inclined to disagree. Yeah, um, you should. A, a little bit. Because you're um, disagreeable. I know, it's my thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> next time we next time we do this, uh, we should both have a glass of wine and have five <laughs> minutes of silence between talking <laughs> points. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are so deep; they don't even have to speak. <laughs> right. It'd be like a John Cage, yeah, performance. Yeah, yeah, with like four thirty-three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's a great topic on its own. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it's not art. Um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I disagree only from one experience I had and. Feel free to argue against it. Um, for the most part, every every time I've written a melody or a piece of music, some sort of meaning, some sort of symbol, symbolism, something that I relate it to has come later. Except in this one case. Um, when uh, it was... In, not to bring it all back to depressing stuff, but it was after um, my my childhood friend uh, Derek was killed in a car accident, yeah. and uh, he was the he was the the person that got me to play music in in the first place. And after trying and failing at guitar through elementary, middle school, and early high school, I finally started playing bass in in a band with him because uh, he demanded it, and because of that, I found dulcimer. And um, and after he passed away, I got you know, understandably you know, sad, as people tend to be when someone that they that they care about dies. Um, but I remember at one point kind of getting down on on music too, because I felt like I, uh, I think I was feeling at the time like I wasn't coming up with anything. Nothing was really exciting me about music, and I remember saying. Um. Uh, it's just a bunch of notes. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there with the dulcimer doing that, and I remember going back and forth just between these three notes, like just three notes back and forth, back and forth in this you know, horrible headspace, and uh somewhere out of that came this melody it was the same repeatable three notes and just had different harmonic things happening over the top of it I I wasn't playing right then it was just stuff that I wrote in my head at the time 
Um, but I remember while I was playing these three notes, thinking that was sort of the thing going in my head, just a bunch of notes, just a bunch of notes, and being pretty bummed about it. Um, and then this sort of interesting piece came out of it. I don't know if that's exactly relevant to what you're talking about. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have but to I be. feel like like that <coughs> that was actually kind of the driving force behind the song that I was creating on the spot. So it did happen out of the emotion. Right. Then yeah. and the emotion was having no emotion. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean it was having an emotion just it was down. Kind yeah. of down on the thing that I was doing right then. Right. So there's uh, you can look this up on Quote Investigator and you'll find out that nobody really knows who said it first, but there's a thing about writing that says uh, writing is easy. You just open up a vein. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that's, and it's been used multiple ways by different people. You know, and some would say you just sit down at your typewriter or you just put a pen in your hand and you, know, you open up a vein. And I think that's the truth sometimes with your instrument. You just sit down at your instrument and you open up a vein, you know, and right. However, it doesn't always have to be. And and it brings me back to this. It's not a dichotomous thing. It's right. not like you either have to be extremely emotional. I mean, or mm-hmm. excuse me, you must be an emotional person in order to write music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's yeah. from my own acquaintances. I know that's not true. There's a guy right. I know who swear. I mean, he writes fantastic songs cool it's crazy good i want you to meet this guy sometime uh he swears he has no emotion whatsoever and to talk to him i mean he's you kind of would believe it a little bit and mm-hmm. and fear that he might be listening i'm probably not going to go any further because my hope for him is that this is just an affectation of his youth you know hmm. and that as he gets mm-hmm. older he'll realize okay it's okay to be emotional, you know, right. and, and break down a little bit because there's some really great stuff to be experienced being emotional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even, even the hard things, you yeah. know, so it's okay. I think we're humans. Yeah. Um, going back to songwriting for a second, sure. I wanted to follow that up with uh, something that I heard Chris Smithers say that I, I thought was great. Are you familiar with any of his no. writing? Um, uh, I've been a fan of this guy Chris Smither for a while. He's he's worth checking out. Okay, um, but uh, singer writer. Uh, uh, he's a he's a singer okay. songwriter and a good guitar player. Writing that but, one down. Um, uh, but he he said on the topic of songwriting, he said you know that for him it's always been uh, kind of like having a conversation with a part of yourself that you're not on speaking terms with. And he (laughs) said, but you've got to coax it into contributing something to the conversation. And he said that the best way that for him to do it is to pretend he's not paying attention. Okay. That's interesting. That sounds like an improv improv game. Yeah. Huh? But he, uh, with his songwriting, he, he tends to do that just at random moments. He'll just jump out with a pad of paper and write uh, you know, one line, and that's it. Like So he's kind of always on high alert without really being on high alert, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one of those things. 
Golly, if Steve was here, he would just die if he heard me say the words getting in touch with your emotions. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that he would hate. Uh, uh, because it seems it seems nonsensical, but it's really not. And, uh, you know, maybe before I took Im- improv uh, acting training, mm-hmm. I would have looked at that phrase with only a negative connotation, but I don't anymore. Getting in touch with your emotions? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because to me that seems like just a silly kind of thing that people who are just too emotional say and mm-hmm. who don't think things through and her mamby-pamby and just all that kind of stuff, whatever all those words mean. But in a sense, it's the way that you recognize the visceral uh, mm-hmm. so that you can recognize your own faulty thinking. Uh, and the fault in the case of music where we're talking about is what stops you from being what it is that's making you think that you're correct when you say, yeah, I'm not creative. I just, you are creative. Everyone Mm -hmm. is creative. No, I'm not creative. Yeah. Yeah. You really are. Nope. 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 Not at all. Don't know how you guys do it. You're some kind of genius. It's a special (laughs) gift. And to all those things I say bullocks, because that's a cuss word. That's not a cuss word in the United States. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but we do have some listeners in the UK. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what you, what you said, um, about, uh, you know, when people say, you know, you have a gift, it's really interesting getting different, different reactions to that. And one of my favorites came from a, another player who said, um, uh, yeah, I, I can't stand it when people say, you know, you have a gift because it just sounds like it arrived with a you know nice bow and all you had to do was unwrap it. And there it was. Thanks for the gift. Yeah. Yeah. I can now play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know, and I think I got away with it on, on this occasion. At least I hope I did. Um, when someone uh, it was after a concert and I know we've all heard that at some time you have a gift and my reaction just in the heat of the moment was and thank god because I'd hate to have to practice this stuff oh I know that's so <laughs> much time consuming yeah <laughs> Aaron yes. it's probably time for both of us to go take our medication <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking to me today. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, catch you later. All right, there you go.